welcome back to the Dunks and Dimes Fantasy Hoops Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Funston, joined as always by our go-to guy, Mr. Roto Evil himself, Eric Wong. Uh, you can follow me at Brandon Funston on Twitter. You can follow Eric on Twitter at Roto Evil. And of course, you can catch all of his stuff on the Athletic and the Fantasy Hoops uh, pages. Um, and you can uh, follow that on Twitter at the Athletic. FS, and if you would like to get a subscription to the Athletic, we would love for you for you to do that, and you can get forty percent off if you go to theathletic.com backslash dunks and dimes. A subscription will get you uh, also the ability to check out all of our NBA podcasts. We have a lot of good ones, including No Dunks Back to Back Hoops Adjacent with David Aldridge and The Daily Ding. We also have several great team specific NBA podcasts as well. And now's probably a pretty good time to check out all of those. Uh, I don't know, Eric, do we have much to talk about today? What do you think? Well, lots to talk about. Lots of trades uh, went down <laughs> yesterday. It was pretty fun doing my first uh, live Q&A chat on The Athletic. And um, yeah, plenty to, plenty to talk about. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Uh, in case uh, you missed it, Eric did two and a half hours, a chat marathon, uh, two hours leading up to the NBA trade deadline, and then half an hour afterwards to kind of like let the dust settle. Sometimes you find out a few more things afterwards. Didn't really get any surprises in that, in that, that final half hour. Uh, but it was pretty cool. Cause I was following along and almost right away we get, uh, we get some big deals and the big one uh, came kind of right as Eric started chatting was D'Angelo Russell. The Warriors shipped him off to Minnesota, it's, you know, there's been a lot of talk the last couple of years about Carl uh, Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell uh, potentially joining forces. It didn't happen in free agency. The Warriors kind of made a preemptive strike and pulled D'Angelo Russell over to their world. But uh, here we are 50 games into the season, and they decided to flip him for Andrew Wiggins. And it's kind of funny because I think uh, it was a few podcasts back, I asked you if the, if the T-Wolves would consider trading Wiggins and you thought well teams aren't going to be duped into a half season of Wiggins really kind of stepping up his game sounds like the Warriors are what did you uh I guess we can break this down by looking at the you know how things look for the the T-Wolves now how they look for the Warriors why don't we start with the the T-Wolves first of all tell me kind of your reaction to this deal and then go ahead and dive into how the T-Wolves roster kind of settles in now Right. It was uh, pretty surprising, uh, especially seeing the Warriors uh, willing to take on Andrew Wiggins. But I think uh, it made sense for them just because they were able to pick up some some solid assets in uh, first round pick and second round pick. And I think that's the main reason they did the deal. And it's uh, definitely a win for Minnesota because Carl Anthony Towns has not been happy. They've been losing a ton of games. And uh, they they need to keep him happy. He's their franchise player, and they've chosen to to build around him. So getting one of his good buddies, who was an All-Star last year, still very young, very talented, made a lot of sense for them. And uh, Russell gives them that uh, potential star guard that they've been lacking. I guess they're only Devin Booker away from creating uh, their own super team uh, with those three good buddies there. But I think um, Russell's going to step in and uh, play a really big role. And I think Towns will play better, too, now as well, because he'll be more engaged and uh, get a little bit less attention from opposing defenses because of Russell. 
this has been a marriage that you've been hearing about for a while, right? That you know that, that Towns and, and Russell have been wanting to get together, and that the you know the front office has been kind of desiring this. Um, do you think it's going to work out all right for them the way that they play? Yeah, I think definitely uh, Russell's at least a willing shooter. He's not always been the most efficient shooter, but uh, definitely can uh, increase the the pace of play and uh, kind of a. Uh, pace and space, fast-paced game for them. And they got some other pieces, made some other deals as well. So I've kind of uh, projected their new starting lineup. And uh, definitely Russell is going to start in the backcourt. I assume Jarrett Culver will continue to start their first-round pick from this year. And I assume they're going to start newcomer Malik Beasley at small forward. He came over from the Nuggets. And uh, power forwards where it's very interesting. You have several new guys that they traded for. Juan Hernan Gomez from the Nuggets. James Johnson coming over from Miami. And Jared Vanderbilt also from the Nuggets. And you could also have Omari Spellman from the Warriors, who I have projected to back up Towns at center, could also play some power forward minutes now that he's slimmed down and can shoot the ball. And uh, kind of the... X-Factor Forgotten Man, and one reason why I'm not exactly uh, rushing out to add Hernan Gomez or James Johnson or necessarily saying they're strong pickups is because Jake Lehman is injured, and he was playing big minutes actually at the start of the season, and I still like his game as well. So it's uh, definitely a question mark. I believe uh, Lehman is starting to do some stuff in practice now, but he still sounds like he's a couple weeks away. So we'll see uh, which of those big guys steps up. Obviously, you have Towns at center. Naz Reed will be battling Spellman for backup center minutes now. And then kind of six-man role, I have Josh Akogi, kind of a versatile wing. Doesn't necessarily help his fantasy value with them bringing in Malik Beasley. And all the other guys kind of limited minutes, not really on the fantasy radar for Minnesota. So let's say you're in a, like, I don't know, super deep league, eight, 16, 18 teams, and, you know, you're looking at that four spot for the T-Wolves. It's kind of undecided right now or unclear how it's going to lay out. And you need production right now, and you need, kind of need the big man, typical rebound uh, efficiency, uh, maybe some blocks, things like that. Who would you who would you first and foremost uh, put, bet your money on? It sounds like you like Lehman more long term, but he's not ready to help right now. So who's the guy that you would – gamble on immediately as getting the first shot right i would think uh hernan gomez fits in with his style of play a little bit better so like i said layman was uh playing early in the year and he hernan gomez kind of has a style of play to him obviously robert covington like an undersized power forward uh who can shoot shoot the three and run and those guys are all more similar than say James Johnson, who was more defensive minded, uh, not the best shooter, but a uh, big body defensive player. So I, I would say Hernan Gomez will get that first crack and uh, James Johnson, I would expect to be more of a backup. I still haven't seen much uh, Jared Vanderbilt play still very early in his NBA career, but uh, you never know. Minnesota has a reason to play their young guys and see what they have with their talent. You know, I forgot to look at uh, – I wanted to kind of remind myself of who, who would be available in the NBA draft this year, like the top, you know, five, six guys, because Golden State got a uh, – what turned out to be a top three protected pick. So Minnesota is 
like they're in the bottom three right now in the NBA in terms of record. They got to get a lot better to make this one not hurt too bad. You know, like if they end up as like with the fourth, fifth, sixth pick, if correct me if I'm wrong, that would mean Golden State would have two of the top six picks in this coming up draft. Assuming Golden State continues on as the worst team in the NBA. <laughs> yeah, definitely with the new lottery system, it's uh, not as assured that you'll get one of the top picks, right? Uh, but but definitely, uh, this is the reason why the Warriors made the trade. They wanted to pick up assets. This season doesn't really mean anything to them. And uh, if they can pick up assets, then they'll be willing to take on a bad contract such as Andrew Wiggins. And I do think he's a better fit than Russell, right? He's a longer player, more versatile wing. He's a better defender, yeah, which isn't saying much because Russell, that was one area where I thought Russell would improve when he joined the Warriors was defensively, still didn't really show that. But at the same time, it was not the same Warriors that he signed up for. Definitely different team, hard to evaluate anything on this uh, Warriors team this year. But because they were to pick up those assets, and even if it does uh, turn into a top three pick and Minnesota keeps it, then it will simply convey to an unprotected first round pick the year after, which should still be a lottery pick unless Minnesota makes a huge turnaround next season. And they get a second round pick as well. And so I think it makes a lot of sense for the Warriors to to do what they did. And obviously they still see some untapped talent and potential in Wiggins that they feel like they can bring out. And they have shown that they can kind of bring out the best abilities in their players. So I definitely think it's a win-win for both teams. Yeah, I mean, you look at Golden State, and they were going to lose Kevin Durant anyways. They end up getting Andrew Wiggins and a likely pretty high draft pick out of that spot. So not a bad uh, thing for Golden State, and clearly they're playing for next year. And maybe, you know, maybe Andrew Wiggins playing alongside Clay Thompson and Steph Curry, you know, finds you know finds it in himself to be a little bit more motivated than we've seen him throughout his career. Um, but let's look at this Golden State team. Um, I was just going to ask you, are you thinking about going and maybe trying out for him right now to <laughs> hold down one of those final bench spots? Uh, what's what's going on with the Golden, Golden State team this year? Where can we mine some, uh, you know, some fantasy value with some of these no names that, uh, you know, we're kind of seeing surface now? Definitely. I guess, uh, you know, the good thing here is that there aren't uh, too many players left on that roster, but the ones that uh, have been playing minutes will be playing even more minutes because they're still there. And uh, obviously Wiggins is going to slot right in there, whether you consider him a shooting guard, small forward. He's definitely going to be playing uh, as as many minutes as possible. And uh, the other wing will be Damian Lee, who I think his value is definitely trending up. His minutes have been rising over the past month. And with uh, both Alec Burks and Glenn Robinson three going to Philadelphia, that kind of uh, opens up even more minutes on the wing for Damian Lee. At point guard, they just converted Kai Bowman's contract from a two-way contract to a full-season contract. And I assume he and Jordan Poole are going to be uh, sharing those point guard minutes until Steph Curry comes back, uh, hopefully in a month or so. We'll see about that. And, um, you know, Bowman had his moments, but at the same time, he is overmatched most nights, at least um, going against starting point guards. We'll see what he can do in Poole's... uh, Shooting has been pretty brutal, as I'm sure anyone who's looked him up knows. So I don't recommend him. And Bowman, I would say only if you're desperate for some assists, should be 
uh, recommending Kai Bowman. But I do like uh, Eric Pasco a lot. I'm not sure if he's uh, going to be starting. I think he'll kind of serve as their sixth man or spot starter, for example, when Draymond Green is going to miss a game. So I definitely like Eric Pascal as a pickup. I think he's going to go back to doing what we first saw him doing when he entered the rotation. And then Marquise Chris is a nice pickup as well for some shot blocking, field goal percentage help now that uh, Spellman is in Minnesota. Yeah, you know, Chris, they had him They had him there, and then they what, they cut him and they brought him back. Um, and now he's just kind of landed in a, an opportunity to really go ahead and, and get in the spotlight there. So uh, interesting shake up there. Uh, I want to move on to the next big deal, which actually happened the day before uh, the NBA trade deadline day. Uh, it was Clint Capella getting moved uh, to Atlanta. Robert Covington, the big four-team four deal, but the, the two uh, big names in the deal, Robert Robert Covington going over to Houston, Clint Capella landing in Atlanta. And I guess I kind of want to talk about Houston first. I think it's fascinating. Uh, you know, they're going with PJ Tucker as their center. They're going with a, you know, a six foot six and under lineup. It's uh, kind of like, kind of like a high school team in that regard. It's crazy. Like, um, why don't we why don't we focus in on this roster? What do you think it means? We'll, we'll talk about Atlanta next, but uh, Robert Covington, I think he he came in and made a splash in his first game with Houston so far. Uh, do you think this can work out with Tucker Manning the five? I, I wonder what you do against teams like you know that have An- I, well, I guess they played Anthony Davis uh, just last night and it worked out okay. But I just wonder you know if teams are going to figure out how to take advantage of that size. I definitely tuned in to see some of that Lakers Rockets game last night. And, uh, you know, it, the first results are positive, I suppose. They won the game. The Lakers, uh, I think, only out-rebounded them by one, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, I, I feel like the Lakers kind of uh, – it's going to be tricky for teams to focus too much on trying to exploit their size advantage versus not not doing so enough. And I guess that's the rock what the Rockets are going to be hoping for. I have trouble thinking it will be sustainable in the playoffs, even with the extra rest in the playoffs. That's just going to be physical, physically very demanding on their wing guys that are trying to pose as big guys, right? P.J. Tucker puts his body on the line every night. He's already undersized at the four, and now he's going to be playing the five. Robert Covington, uh, they obviously think uh, – value his defensive skills very highly and he's an awesome defender and they're just going to be asking him to do even more and Daniel House of course and they don't even have much uh, behind those guys backing them up in the front court they uh, have Isaiah Hardenstein who did not play yesterday despite going against uh, some several seven footers on the Lakers and Bruno Caboclo they traded for he's been injured And so you wonder, Tyson Chandler is still on the team, but he hasn't played in a long time. And so you wonder if uh, the Rockets have a buyout candidate that they were thinking of. Uh, One player who did not get moved at the trade deadline was Tristan Thompson. I think he would be a perfect fit, but they are saying that uh, he is not going to get bought out. And so the Rockets uh, should be hoping for some big man to become available to them because I don't see how this uh, can be sustainable, especially in the playoffs. 
Yeah, and uh, you know, you talk about Tristan Thompson. Uh, the Cavs are going the opposite direction. They're hoarding big men, uh, and we should probably get to them shortly. But first, let's talk about what this, uh, how this shakes out for Atlanta. Right. I mean, uh, the big question mark now is, are they going to hold out Clint Capella because he's been dealing with this heel plantar fasciitis, uh, fasciitis issue for quite some time? And to make sure he gets healthy and just focus on his health for next season? Or is it not that bad and he'll be able to play for them? Because if he does play, then obviously that's sliding John Collins over to power forward. And will probably hurt Collins' stats a little bit, at least his rebounding and maybe fewer blocks as well. But then you're also squeezing uh, DeAndre Hunter and Cam Reddish to kind of sharing the small forward position a little bit as opposed to both of those guys starting alongside each other. And so definitely some some ramifications as to whether Capella is going to be playing or not. If he is not playing, then you have Dwayne Dedman, who they just brought back, who could be interesting. He might be starting there again, and he had success last season for them. Or Damian Jones, the younger center, and uh, Bruno Fernando as well would be getting extra minutes. But if Capella is playing, then those guys will be getting uh, very, very limited minutes. Yeah, I mean it's it's interesting. I mean, you're probably right. They they could maybe you know sit Capella, and you know they could po- very possibly they're one of these teams that could end up with the number one pick. And I brought up the list of NBA guys like Anthony Edwards from Georgia is in atop a, a lot of uh, you know a lot of these draft lists. He's a wing. I, I guess that would you know that would fit. But then you you come into next year and you have Collins and, and Young and Capella and you know one of the very top college players or you know. Uh, amateur players out there it could be could be a nice way to start uh next season for atlanta and and start a pretty big turnaround what are your what are your thoughts about the you know the 20 the next year's atlanta hawks yeah well i mean i'm a i'm a big believer in trey young and what he can do for that team and i actually thought they would maybe be contending or at least pretending to contend for that eighth playoff spot this year obviously it's not happening but uh, i definitely see a big turnaround for them next year the season, you know, Kevin Herter has definitely been in and out of the lineup with injury issues, may not even be 100% now. I still think he's a solid pickup, but with some of their guys missing games, obviously John Collins' suspension at the start of season, that kind of derailed them and Cam Reddish, rookie uh, issues. Uh, so I think that team's going to be a lot better, especially if they that young core really gels and is on the same page. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be interesting. Another Another team that's kind of vying for that number one draft pick is the Cleveland Cavaliers. I mentioned that they're kind of hoarding big man. I mentioned that because they traded uh, for Andre Drummond. It only required a bag of peanuts to get him. Uh, the Cavs are kind of uh, weird. Like I don't know what they're doing. I don't know what the Pistons are doing. But the Cavs bring in Andre Drummond. They don't move Kevin Love, so they got those two bigs next to each other. They, they, they're not going to you know, apparently buy out Tristan Thompson. Um, so first of all, I guess we're, you know, we're a fantasy show. So we want to talk about Andre Drummond's fantasy value in Cleveland and how he impacts the guys around him. But I'm just kind of curious if you have any thoughts about what the Cavs end game play here is with Drummond. If they, you know, I think Drummond has a $28 million player option for next year. So remains to be seen if he wants to stay in Cleveland or if he wants to test the market. Right. Definitely. Uh, Surprising trade, more so in the sense of what uh, 
the team that traded for him and what they had to give up to get him, right? It wasn't a huge surprise to see Drummond moved, but the fact that they were able to just send a couple of expiring contracts and a second-round pick to get him was uh, pretty surprising. Shows you how little NBA teams think of his value right now and um, the value in general of a big man that is solely a big man. And Because uh, Drummond is still a versatile defender. He's just a limited offensive player besides uh, getting point-blank looks. Uh, still hasn't really developed his uh, low post game or... He's at least not efficient with it and obviously not a great outside shooter. But um, I think I think it makes sense for Cleveland, since they had to give up barely nothing to get him, just to see how he fits in. They have those young guards. Obviously, if, obviously if you're going to play a young and very small backcourt, which they have in Darius Garland and Colin Sexton, you kind of want some some. Uh, big men to make sure they're protecting the paint and uh, gobbling up rebounds. And that's what Andre Drummond does. He can set some huge screens for those guys. I think Garland is really going to like having that uh, pick and roll element to his game. Tristan Thompson, not, not exactly the uh, offensive threat rolling to the basket as much as Drummond. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how love and Drummond fare together. But uh, I'm disappointed just because I, was holding on to Chetty Osman and Larry Nance Jr. in some leagues, assuming either Love or Tristan was tra- would get traded, and they didn't trade either guy. And I especially don't get the Tristan Thompson thing. If you plan to go after Andre Drummond, why would you not have a follow-up trade to get a young player or draft pick in return for Tristan Thompson? That doesn't make sense to me. Kind of kills Tristan Thompson's value. I do think uh, Drummond is going to take it personally that uh, teams – thought so little of him that I think he'll continue to do what he normally does and we'll see what happens with Kevin Love perhaps they'll still rest him some down the stretch because they will still look to trade him I assume in the offseason right just because guys didn't get traded yesterday doesn't mean that they couldn't get moved over the summer and to protect that asset they may want to play him in fewer games to make sure he doesn't get hurt in which case Larry Nance Jr. could still have value, but it's a pretty tricky situation now if you were holding on to Nance what to do. Um, I'll be making that decision soon myself, and uh, (laughs) I'll probably be dropping Chetty Osman. However, definitely uh, if Kevin Love had been moved, I think he would have been, uh, his stats would have been on the rise. He kind of Closed out last season strong, but not sure if he's going to do that now. And instead, I think I like the youngster, Kevin Porter Jr., a little bit more more versatile player, more athletic, and more important to Cleveland's future. Yeah, and, and Drummond's a, an absolute hog on the offensive board, so that should be good for those young guards um, and be a nice piece to that puzzle. But Drummond's also a cautionary tale, I guess, for teams trading earlier. I think they uh, you know, held on to him too long and, and lost a lot of value in that. So, um, yeah, so we'll, we'll see how that plays out in Cleveland. Uh, the next team I want to talk about is the New York Knicks. Uh, Marcus Morris was one of the top guys out there that we knew was likely to get moved. Uh, he did get moved. It's kind of a, I guess it's a, a three-team trade, but Morris ends up with the Clippers. The Knicks end up getting Mo Harkless, uh, get some draft picks. Uh, from the New York Knicks perspective, uh, 
is this the kind of move that's going to make this, the fans stop chanting sell the team uh, to the owner there, or is it same old, same old for the Knicks? Right, definitely. Uh, yeah, I don't see why they couldn't have gotten one of the Clippers' young players. Uh, Mo Harkless is I'm – a, I'm a fan of Mo Harkless. I think he's uh, always been a really solid player, underrated, does the dirty work, um, very versatile defender. But uh, they should have been trying to get uh, either – Terrence Mann or uh, Cap and Galley, I would. That's what I was thinking they would go for. But uh, you know, they did get, I believe, a first round pick and a second round pick. So uh, you know, that's not that's not a bad haul. And uh, as for this season, man, it just gets even uglier. Morris was actually the Knicks' probably most consistent and reliable player. Sorry, Julius Randle. Randall has, you know, put up some stats, but Marcus Morris has really been uh, the top fantasy player on that team. And now that he's gone, lots of extra shot attempts, but it's still the Knicks are so ugly and the rotation is so, um, you know, fluctuates from game to game. And uh, I, I don't know. That team is. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I think that kind of just sums it up. I don't, I won't make you try to, you know, uh, you know, put a put a cherry on top of that one anymore. Uh, we can talk about the Clippers, uh, how Marcus Morris is going to fit in there. Is it going to lose value? I think I looked and he was number eighty one on the Yahoo season ranker in total in total value. Um, does he go down or does he stay the same or does he go up in value uh, playing alongside Kawhi and Paul George? Right. Well, well, for the for the Knicks, I guess I should say that R.J. Barrett. I think uh, he just came back from uh, sitting out a few games, and I do think he is a, a strong pickup if he's still available. If he was somehow dropped when he got hurt, uh, you'll want to make that move because he is poised to have the ball in his hands more and more shot attempts coming his way. But uh, yeah, other than that, uh, use use those other Knicks at your own risk. For the Clippers, uh, Marcus Morris definitely. His value takes a hit, except in the games when either Paul George or Kawhi Leonard are resting, and I'm sure that's one of the main, uh, one of the big reasons why the Clippers added him. They'll feel more comfortable if something were to happen to one of those two guys. But otherwise, when those guys are playing, his value is definitely going to take a hit. I also think uh, Vicha Zubac, center who has been tough to play, just because you don't know when he's going to get enough minutes to be productive, but has still also had some nice games. His value is probably going to take a hit. Um, Montrez Harrell, kind of a value going, been going down, but I still think uh, you know he's a strong play most of the time, and uh, they're going to want to play him over Zubac in, in crunch time usually. So if uh, I'd say if you have Zubac as your backup center, you might want to look for another one. And um, the backcourt, you know, I don't think it. It hurts uh, them too much, but um, you know Marcus Morris can can jack up those shots, so that could hurt Lou Williams, Landry Shamit. But at the same time, uh, and I think at, at least right now, Patrick Beverly uh, hurt his hamstring again, or kind of came up uh, with the hamstring injury a few days ago, and so that would keep the minutes going for say Shamit. But he's still uh, inconsistent play from game to game. All right, let's go to the opposite uh, 
coast, go to the East Coast, where the Miami Heat were kind of a, a big player. They they freed Andre Iguodala from Memphis. They got Jay Crowder, um, picked up Solomon Hill as well. And I, I saw your analysis that uh, the guy taking the big hit here is probably Tyler Hero. Uh, when you look at the Heat lineup, how are things shaking out now post-deadline here? Right, at least long-term, I think uh, Hero's value is going to take a hit because they – Iguodala hasn't played in such a long time that they're definitely not going to want to use him too much, but they're also going to need to start playing him so he can get in game shape, right, and get used to their system. But uh, short term, he could hero could still be okay because Jimmy Butler is unlikely to play uh, this weekend. It sounds like because uh, he hurt his shoulder, and so maybe before you drop hero, you might want to just uh, take a look and see how the team looks without Butler in the lineup. But long-term, I do worry about Hero's value just because Dragic is still there. He's played so well. Kendrick Nunn obviously needs his minutes. Duncan Robinson's three-point shooting has actually been more consistent than Hero and more accurate. He's just been one of the top sharpshooters in the league. And uh, defensively, Derek Jones Jr. and Jay Crowder bring more to the table than Tyler Hero does. So, yeah, definitely uh, be keeping a close eye on him, be looking to replace him possibly and then the big guys who Miami has kind of used sparingly this season anyways, Myers Leonard and Kelly Olenek, their value takes a hit with Jay Crowder coming in and kind of playing those minutes at the four. Uh, gives gives Miami more versatility and athleticism than using uh, Leonard and Olenek there. So what about on the Memphis side then? Um, how How is things going to work out with this deal? And, uh, you know, who's the – Who's the big value jumper on on the Grizzly side of things? Right. It, uh, in uh, the, Q, the Q&A chat, some of the people were down on this trade for Memphis, and I think that's because they aren't fans of Justice Winslow. I've always been a Winslow fan, but his injury issues are becoming kind of annoying. He hasn't uh, stayed healthy, I believe, since his rookie year. Maybe it was you know, his only healthy NBA season. But I think he's a very tough defensive-minded player obviously coming over from Miami he's got to have that pedigree and I don't think they traded him because they didn't want him but simply that that's what it took to get the the guys that they did want and uh still still pretty young player can can handle it inconsistent shooter but um I think he has a bright future still and if he's healthy he could be a sneaky pickup for teams the issue is he uh, hasn't played in a while, and I'm not quite sure if he is ready to get on the court, in which case Kyle Anderson would be the likely starting small forward now. And uh, he hasn't played 30-plus minutes many times at all this year, uh, but has shown some stat-stuffing abilities in the past on the defensive end. And then also if, uh, if Winslow isn't ready, that would mean more minutes for DeAnthony Melton. Melton's still... Uh, a little bit unsure about because Dylan Brooks has played so well and uh, Deion Waiters is coming in. So we'll see if Waiters actually gets a chance on his new team. But Melton has done well and him and Kyle Anderson will be filling those small forward minutes until Winslow is ready. Any chance that they could play Jaron Jackson and Brandon Clark together uh, very much? Or is that are they pretty much both locked in at the four? Brandon Clark owners should have been hoping for a Valanchunas trade because I would love to see that. I mean, that's the future is trying to play Clark and Jackson together. Obviously, Jackson would need to become a much better rebounder for that to happen. But uh, 
I mean, hey, if teams are going small like the Rockets, then you could definitely be playing Jackson and Clark together against a team like that. So we'll see if Valanciunas keeps it up. He's been having a pretty strong season the past couple of months especially, and uh, it's unfortunate that uh, Clark doesn't get more minutes because he's been really, really productive and efficient for a rookie, and uh, it makes sense for them to increase his usage. But at the very least, I don't think the new guys they got coming in, they they got both Jordan Bell and Gorgie Jang in separate deals from Minnesota. I don't think either of those guys is a real threat to cut into Clark's production, but until either Valanciunas or Jackson were to get hurt or miss games, then it's tough to see his minutes really improving either. And you, I don't, I didn't hear you mention Dylan Brooks. I, I know you really liked his his value movement in this one um, as well. Did you mention him? Did I space that out? I just said uh, he's been playing really well, and uh, definitely he he's a guy that I'm happy I was able to pick up uh, in a couple of weeks about a month or so ago, and it kind of went from being a smart ad in deeper leagues to suddenly maybe he should be owned in even shallow leagues because he's so, so hot. Uh, definitely making that three ball, and he was just rewarded with a contract extension. And uh, definitely like that kid. He's a tough competitor, and if it shots fall, he's definitely uh, very valuable. Yeah, I watched him at Oregon. He's a good player. Um, so yeah, he's made the he's graduated to shallow leagues. I think another guy that has done the same is Michael Porter Jr. I saw you mentioned that as well. He needs to be owned across the board. And I think you know we've talked about him a, a decent amount throughout the weeks here on this podcast. The kind of the big issue with him. You know, first and foremost, it's always health, but also he was on one of the deepest lineups in the league and having a hard time finding playing time. Uh, Denver didn't make any like huge deals, but we've talked about some of the guys they've moved and Malik Beasley and, and Hernan Gomez and just kind of the moves have seemed to maybe open up a little bit more playing time for Porter Jr., you think, right? Yeah, definitely. I feel like, uh, Denver's intention wasn't necessarily to pick up a, a big piece, but to stay competitive. And um, with the moves they did made while picking up a first-round pick in the process, so they shipped out Malik Beasley, Juan Hernan Gomez, and uh, got some got a few guys back. Uh, Katie Bates Job from Minnesota, Noah Vonley will be playing backup center until Mason Plumley comes back. Um, and then in a separate deal, they got Jordan McRae from Washington for kind of instant offense. But I think definitely the plan was to clear up some more playing time for Michael Porter Jr., whether in a six-man role or as a spot starter. And uh, he's been very productive, averaging a double-double lately, even playing just 25 minutes a game. So if his minutes were to ramp up to, say, 28, 30 minutes per game, you'd be looking at some very nice numbers. So he should definitely be added in uh, pretty much all leagues. And in deep leagues, you might want to take a look at Torrey Craig for the time being, at least uh, while Paul Millsap is still out. Uh, Craig should be that backup power forward or even uh, starting if Jeremy Grant's not good to go. He uh, his hurt had hurt his ankle recently, and Craig filled in there, gives you those defensive stats. You know, um, I think we've covered all the big, big deals. There are a few other things, and, and you know, maybe uh, indirectly re- related to what we've talked about with some of these deals. One of the guys that I went out and added uh, right away it was Christian Wood. I, I would think, you know, in Detroit with Andre Drummond actually moved, it's game on for Christian Wood now, yeah? 
Yeah, definitely you should be uh, adding Wood right now if he's still available in your league. And uh, plenty of extra points and rebounds to be had now in Detroit, and we'll see how those are going to be spread out. It's, uh, especially in the backcourt, a a tricky situation because – Derek Rose is still there. I for sure thought he was going to be moved. Was that the biggest biggest surprise non-mover? Yeah, I'd say so just because there was so much talk of it happening and it just made so much sense, right, for Detroit to get an asset and move on from him. And instead, uh, we'll see. Maybe Rose will simply demand a trade, in which case that would clear up the minutes because all those guys are talented. You have Mikhail Luke, who has been playing really well. Bruce Brown, I think, is a solid versatile player and of course Luke Kennard was having a really strong season before he got hurt and he might be coming back in a few weeks so that's a crowded backcourt with Reggie Jackson back and playing wells playing uh playing well in the backcourt but at power forward uh, I suppose it's uh Domboya and Markeith Morris still neither guy has uh really impressed Domboya got off to that nice start and has been very uh, quiet since then but he'll get a chance to get back in there. And then you have John Henson and Thon Maker as well getting some uh, some of those center minutes. And neither of those guys is used to playing major minutes. So we'll, we'll see how that uh, is spread out, all those extra stats. But definitely Christian Wood is the, the pickup that makes the most sense there. And I saw something about maybe Reggie Jackson was a was a buyout candidate as well. So uh, Detroit certainly, um, you know, going to be kind of a, you know, likely a very different looking team to start next year than they were to start this year. So we'll we'll see how that goes. I'm looking down your. Um, your list from your latest column, and by the way, Eric has wrapped up all these deals in how they kind of play out for each of the you know the teams that sort of significantly shook up their rosters. So if you want to go to the Athletic, you can check that out, and it's laid out there for you nicely. But I'm looking across this article at uh, the guys that kind of moved into the solid ads in the shallower leagues, and I think we've covered everybody except for Rui Hachimura in Washington. So why don't you tell us what you like about uh, you know the changing value going up for Hachimura? Right, I mentioned him not so much as because of the result of trades, but because Thomas Bryant is uh, dealing with his foot injury again, which is bad news for Bryant owners, and I do have him in several leagues, kind of bummed about that. But at the same time, that just means uh, Hachimura can step back in. I liked the fact that he was, after missing a big chunk of games, he was immediately put back into the starting lineup. So I think that shows you that Washington really uh, cares about his development, and I see him playing big minutes the rest of the way. So he's a strong pickup, and watch uh, Mo, Mo Wagner, of course, Mo Wagner, because uh, he'll be playing extra minutes as well with Bryant out. But uh, you also want to take a look at their point guard situation now that Isaiah Thomas is gone. Ish Smith, I assume, will go back to being the starter just because uh, he has that experience for that team starting. And then Shabazz Napier off the bench, newly acquired to replace IT. And even though Thomas wasn't very reliable in that backup role, uh, Napier has been having the better season and uh, – could at least be good for some threes and assists. And then the deep, deep guy to watch, and especially in dynasty leagues, I'll be trying to add is Jerome Robinson, top young player from the Clippers, who uh, is a guy that the Knicks should have been trying to get, but uh, instead the Wizards got him, and he'd be a guy to watch. And uh, 
Not so sure about Troy Brown Jr. because Robinson and could play some of those two-guard minutes and slide Beal over to small forward if Robinson plays well. All right, so there you go. That's kind of covering all all the big moves. I don't know if there was anything else you wanted to mention, something we didn't cover with all the trades yesterday. Uh, is there anything else, or are you good? Yeah, I think we covered uh, almost everything there. Do you want to discuss uh, whether Giannis's all-star drafting was – was good or bad? Because, you know, it's funny. We talked about that last week, the All-Star, um, you know, the nominations. And I was like, oh, the West is just loaded at the top and with all those alphas. And after the draft, LeBron still ends up with all of them. So, <laughs> you know, Giannis didn't pick any of those guys. And maybe he's thinking, oh, you know, too many alphas is a problem. But uh, what's your thoughts on that really quickly? We don't have to go into it too much, but I just thought it was kind of interesting that he didn't take any of those guys. Right. I think the big surprise was Luca not being picked earlier, but then I thought about it and I was like, well, he's already been ruled out for uh, this coming week leading up to the All-Star break because of his injury. And so maybe he won't even be playing in the game and maybe that's why Giannis uh, didn't pick him. But if you listen to his uh, explanations, he definitely was focused on getting guys who he thought were going to be the most competitive, wanting to to win it uh, with this new format where every quarter counts. And also guys that, uh, I don't know, maybe he either has a relationship with already and uh, feels like they're good locker room guys, but he did mention, make, make several of those comments, and I especially liked his uh, comments about Harden, him not picking Harden because he wanted a point guard who would pass it to him. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's a good point. You know, at first I thought he was kind of, you know, it was it was a you know not a great job by him. And now I'm thinking about it like in an All Star game, getting a bunch of guys that you know will pass the ball and are actually motivated to play and maybe even have a little chip on their shoulder. That that could actually work out pretty well for Giannis. So uh, maybe he's the genius here when when it's all said and done. But uh, speaking of the week leading up to the All Star game, uh, this is how we kind of always end our podcast with you telling us what you're going to watch this weekend in the NBA. Yeah, definitely some interesting games this weekend. Uh, I'm gonna, I guess I'll have to DVR uh, this game tonight. Raptors at Pacers on ESPN, a rematch of Wednesday. I actually tuned into that game at the end of the third quarter um, on Wednesday, and the Pacers had a big lead, and the Raptors just made a furious comeback, got their twelfth consecutive win in a row, and uh, the rematch is going down tonight. So I'm gonna take a look at that game. Should be very fun. Really quickly, if I can interject, uh, any thoughts on Oladipo and how he's looked so far in you know in limited minutes since he's been back? Definitely, definitely showing the rust, but uh, I think the fact that he's still playing over twenty minutes uh, hasn't had a setback. So I think uh, after the All Star break, I think we're going to see those stats start increasing, and I still like uh, him as a hold and pick up if he's still available. Okay, so what about Saturday and Sunday? Yeah, Saturday, definitely a, a game to watch is the Clippers with Marcus Morris in the lineup now against the new-look Timberwolves. They moved more guys than any other team, and uh, hopefully Russell will be in the lineup for that one. Should be fun to watch. And then Sunday, Jazz against the Rockets. Are the Rockets going to still stay small ball going against Rudy Gobert? Because if so, they're going to need to send three guys at him just to box him out because that should be very interesting to watch. 
Yeah, no doubt. I'm fascinated by this Rockets team and how this works out for them. So we'll see how that does. And I'll, yeah, we'll see when they have a team has a legit post like that. It's going to be very interesting. So uh, I think I'll be with you and maybe checking in on that game as well. So, all right, Eric, uh, thanks for the wrap up. Uh, that's all the time we have for today. Again, uh, you can follow me at Brendan Funston on Twitter. You can follow Eric at Roto Evil and you can catch his, uh, his column on the athletic site this week. If you want to dive into the details of these trades even more and if you aren't a subscriber we encourage you to do so by going to theathletic.com backslash dunks and dives that gets you 40 percent off that gets you access to all the stuff on the athletic all the great nba podcasts which you can find on itunes and spotify and if you enjoy those enjoy those shows uh we would love for you to drop us a quick rating and review so uh the nba is gearing up for their all-star break next week we will not be taking a break we'll be back here next friday and we hope that you will join us until then have a great week